Oh, well, good morning, church. So good to be together. So thankful for what God's doing and just to be able to worship Him and come before Him with a grateful heart today and just say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And uh, I just want to tell you, I just returned from Brazil this weekend and we were down in the Amazon on a mission trip and it was incredible to be there. Many of you may know the story, but last year this um, English businessman over in just kind of by his will and the call of God, he had been going down to the Amazon and building schools and community centers. And, and uh, literally last January on his deathbed, he gives all that over to JMI, Justice and Mercy International, which is the nonprofit we started five years ago. And so we had this community center, million dollar community center sitting in the middle of the Amazon jungle. And we hosted a pastor's conference and pastors came from all over. Uh, and to hear their stories, uh, one guy, 21 days in a canoe, 21, let me get that again real quick, 21 days in a canoe uh, to be there, to be at the pastor's conference. I mean, these, these guys were coming for days, I mean, eating and sleeping in their canoe just to hear, to learn the word of God, and they're wanting to grow in their faith and, and become, you know, better leaders and better pastors, and pastors' wives were there, and it was amazing. I was just thinking how God is using you right here in, in Franklin, Tennessee to impact uh, around the world in this place in the Amazon jungle. It's unbelievable. And to hear their stories, but to see their love and their passion. And you know how it is with mission trips, you go and you go to give and to serve, but you're always the one who's changed. You're always the one who's impacted. And, and I just thought, man, I just see their, their love for the Lord. It, it was contagious. And I thought, you know, how many people in the States, if it's raining outside, won't even get in their car and drive with air conditioning 20 minutes to go to church. And these guys are coming in a canoe for days to be a part of what God's doing. And so I'm just so thankful for you because I'm telling you, your obedience and your faithfulness to God is impacting the world. And I love it. And I love locking arms with you. I love serving with you. I just love what God's doing here in this church. And we're in the middle of a series where we're talking about taking our next step. And what does that look like to reach out, to grow up and give all in this journey with the Lord and in our own personal life? Uh, we don't want to sit on the sidelines. We want to be a part of what God's doing. We want to be a part of God's story. And there's a calling for every one of us. Now, in our series, we're walking with people in the Bible back in the Old Testament. And we're studying a book of the Bible called Ezra. And it's so good. I mean, it's just so deep and so rich. And to see the story of God's people through history, of their call to be obedient, of their call to step out, of their call to follow God. And it mirrors our story. And it mirrors our call. And so in the book of Ezra, we've seen how God had called out a people for himself, the Israelites, and he took them into the promised land and said, hey, this land is yours. I'll give you cities you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant, just as long as you stay true to me. Don't get caught up in the world around you. Don't let the world around you become your God. If you do, as he said in other Old Testament books in Isaiah and Jeremiah, he said, hey, I'll send you off into exile. You know, like a loving parent disciplining their child. And and sure enough, the people wandered from God. And so they go down and they're in captivity by the Babylonians for 70 years. And this is when the book of Ezra opens. Cyrus, the king of Persia, comes in and conquers the Babylonians. And this is historical, right? We know that all this happened. And he conquers the Babylonians. And in his first year, he says, Jews, you can go back. You can go back. You're free to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, rebuild the temple to your God. Now, that didn't happen. When you were conquered as a people, you were done. Game over, right? But by God's grace, his hand is always on his people. And he brings them back. And they come back with rejoicing. They're so excited. We saw that in Ezra chapter 1 and chapter 2. Last week, Pastor Nick did a great job talking about as they came back. Instead of going to their houses and getting everything in order, they came to the temple And they started to rebuild. 
they started to rebuild and they laid the foundation. And out of the worship of God, they began to take the next step in their journey. But it starts when they started laying that foundation with God, saying, God, we want you at the center. We want you at the center of our community. We want you at the center of our lives. And they laid the foundation. And God's been laying a foundation in your life. God's been laying a foundation in you, but God's not finished yet. Oh, isn't that great? God's not finished yet. He is still at work in your life. He's still at work in your journey. He's still at work in your marriage. He's still at work with your children. God is at work. And the Jews were just a part of the story that God was using to bring redemption to the world, to bring hope and to bring life. Because God is at work. And today we come to Ezra chapter 4. And so I want to go on that journey with you today. If you have a Bible, open up with me to Ezra chapter 4. Ezra chapter 4, the foundation's been laid, and now in Ezra chapter 4, we see that the obstacles come, right? The opposition arises. Maybe if you don't have a Bible with you, maybe you have a mobile device, you got an iPad or some kind of device, you can access the scriptures. Uh, Laura said we have better Wi-Fi now, so we need to go. So maybe you can jump on there and use that. Uh, jump on version and track along with us. Also, you can take notes, and we'll put the words on the screen so you can follow along with what God's Word has to say today. Ezra chapter 4, pick up here in verse 1. It says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, right, that's the southern tribe, that's the Jews who've gone back, heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, They came to Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel was the governor. He was the leader. He had brought the exiles out, this first wave that came back, about 50,000 people or so, came back and started rebuilding the temple. And these enemies come, and and they said uh, to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families. Now, I want to camp just for a second there. We we saw this in Ezra chapter 1, but throughout Ezra, it talks about the heads of the families. And how important it is, if you're the head of a family, if you're a husband, or you're a father, you're a single mother, you're a grandparent, listen, your obedience to God, or your disobedience, it has a huge impact, not just on your life, but on generations, on generations. And we see that today. And it says, he said to the heads of the families, it says, let us help you build, because like you, we seek your God and we've been sacrificing to him since the time of Esarhaddon, the king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, Esarhaddon was the king of the Assyrian Empire. And in 722 BC, they came in and conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And what the Assyrians would do is when they would conquer a nation, they would take the people off into exile and they would bring other people and put them in that land because they felt like they wouldn't rebel, you know. So they, they kind of mix everybody up. And so these guys are foreigners living there. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and to make them afraid to go on building. They hired counselors to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. What I want you to see is, first of all, this. When you step out for God, obstacles will come. When you step out for God, obstacles will come. It just will. It's reality that the Israelites, they've been set free, and they come back with this unbelievable joy. We are rebuilding the temple. God alone could have delivered us. Praise be to him. And then the obstacles come. You know, we kind of look at this, and we say, well, why didn't they just let them come and help? Well, it says in verse 1, they were enemies. They were enemies. 
they were there to try to discourage them. They were there to kind of throw them off. And they'd say, hey, you know, we want to mess you up. And sometimes when we step out, right, obstacles happen. And people around sometimes even frustrate. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you get serious about your relationship with God and you're thinking, okay, that's it. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to read God's word before I go to work, you know, and I'm I'm getting serious. And as soon as you do, what happens? It's like everything blows up, right? You know, texts are coming in, emails are coming in, and you know, like you're going, well, and then your mind's going, oh, I better answer that. I got to get to that. You know, I'm going to be late. And so you kind of head out. You may be like me. You know, you you say, okay, hey, I I need this time with the Lord, and start to pray. And immediately when you get down on your knees and you're by your bed or you're at your office and you start to pray, what happens? All these things come in your mind, right? I got to get this done. I got to get that done. You're like, oh yeah, I got to write this down. I got to, you know, I'm going to forget that. I got to do that right. And so many times these obstacles happen. You know, I'm going to start investing in what God's doing. And then it's like this magazine shows up. You're like, hey, I can redo the house. You know, I mean, hey, there's a great stock tip. Hey, I can do this. You know, I can go to a small group. And then your boss schedules meetings on that night. You're like, ah, every time obstacles will come. Maybe you're a single adult here. And you're holding out, you know, you're like, I'm going to wait for a godly man or a godly woman. And then you're like, where are they? You know, where are the good godly men? Where are the good godly women? And so you're tempted to lower your standards. You're tempted to say, oh, maybe not, you know, maybe you're a parent here. And sometimes when your parents, you know, as parents, your kids, when they get to middle school or high school, and they're like, I don't want to go to church. That doesn't happen here, but, you know, sometimes in different places, you know, it's like, I don't want to go, you know. And, and as a parent, you're sitting there going, well, what do I do? Do I fight this battle? Yes, you fight this battle, right? If your kid comes and they say, hey, I don't want to go to school, you're like, you're going to school. And what your child is equating is like, well, you value secular education more than my spiritual education, okay? And it's a battle you fight. It's a battle we fight. Obstacles will come. It's reality when you are following God, when you are stepping out. And so many times we think, well, I'm doing the right thing and I'm not going to have any worries or any problems. No, 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 no. There will be challenges. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And there are enemies out there. There's a saying that says, hurt people, hurt people. Right? And sometimes you're trying to get your life together and do the right things, and other people are going, hey, whoa, wait a minute, man, come on, what are you doing? Hold on. It's going to happen. Get ready. But when God calls you, you follow. When God calls you, you walk. And you watch God do something great in your life. And Jesus, that great spiritual moment, Matthew chapter 3, as he's baptized. You know, I mean, this holy moment, the beginning of his ministry, and, and the dove descends upon him, the Holy Spirit, and their voice from heaven, right, from God, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased. I'm like, Jesus going, yeah, dad, way to go, this great moment. And then boom, Matthew chapter 4. He's led into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. He's tempted <laughs> By Satan. It's like, wow. This temptation that follows, the challenges that follow. And a lot of times they happen after our spiritual highs. They happen after a mission trip. Or they happen after a great morning of worship and you're fired up. And then it's like these things come at us. And they war against us. When I was down leading this pastor's conference, we had these jungle pastors. And and they're in different villages and they're coming from all over. and, And to hear their stories, it was remarkable. And so you have these times of teaching, and then we would do question and answer. And this one pastor, Pastor Noam, and his wife, Marta, they're there. And Pastor Noam raises his hand and says, Pastor Jeff, I have a question. And yes, you know, through the translator. And, and he says, there's a man in my village, and somebody in the village stole six of his chickens. 
And he asked me what I should do about it. So what do you think? Like, I have no idea, man. <laughs> Nobody's stealing chickens at our place, you know. I don't know. But I just saw there was something about him and just his smile and his love for the people. And so I said, Pastor Noam, tell me about you. Tell me about your story. He said, well, I work in this village, and, and Saturday and Sunday we're there, and he said, God is moving, and the people are coming to know Jesus. He goes, we've got these great leaders in the church. And I said, why are you just there, you know, Saturday and Sunday? He said, oh, you wouldn't believe it. He said, God blessed me with this great job in Manaus. And so I go to Manaus, and, and I have this job where I clean toilets. And my wife is a housekeeper, but we make enough money to pay for the gas for the motor to our canoe so that we can get Saturday and Sunday to be with the people that we love in the village. We, we sleep on the floor in the church on Saturday and Sunday and then we head back to Manaus. I was like, wow. I'm not worthy, you know. I just heard these kind of stories. We all have obstacles. We all have challenges that we face. But God has called us to push past that. God has called us to follow. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul writes to this great church in Philippi, and he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, when it says continue to work out your salvation, what does that mean? Do we work to earn our salvation? No, 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 no. Salvation is a free gift of God. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done, right? It, Jesus paid it all. And maybe you're here today and, and you don't have a relationship with God. And maybe you're here today and you think it's about doing good works or doing good things. Listen, you're never going to be good enough. I'll just tell you right now. I mean, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, they're not good enough. It is by grace that we are saved, through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest no man should boast. But once you and I are in Christ, it says work out your salvation, that it does take energy and effort to grow and to mature, to become like Christ, to become conformed to the image of God's Son. It takes energy and effort to get here on Sunday mornings, to take notes, to write down, to learn, to grow. It takes energy and effort, right? To raise a godly family. It takes energy and effort to be a part of a small group. It takes energy and effort to serve or to go on a mission trip or to give back. It does. But it's in that process, in overcoming those obstacles, that God grows your faith. Just know this. When you step out, obstacles will come. Here's the second thing I want you to get today. And it's this. Number two. We have an enemy who does not want us to succeed. We have an enemy who does not want us to succeed. If you go over to Ezra chapter 4, look over at verse 11. The people get together that can't discourage the Jews who are rebuilding the temple, so they write a letter to the king. And they say, King Artaxerxes, from your servants, the men of the trans-Euphrates, the king should know that the Jews who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are restoring the walls and repairing the foundations. Furthermore, the king should know that if the city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and the royal revenues will suffer. Uh-oh, they got the king's attention now, don't they? You know? I mean, they're talking taxes. I mean, they can't discourage them, so they write off to the king. Oh, the royal revenues are going to suffer, king. Oh, did you think about that? And it says, right, now since we're under obligation to the palace... And it's not proper for us to see the king dishonored. 
Oh, isn't that sweet of them? You know, we love paying taxes. <laughs> we love that, right? Misery loves company. Yeah? So they, they just say, hey, since we're under that obligation and we don't want to see the king dishonored, we are sending this message to inform the king so that a search may be made in the archives of your predecessors. In these records, you will find that this city is a rebellious city, troublesome to kings and provinces, a place of rebellion from ancient times. That is why this city was destroyed. We informed the king that if the city is built and its walls are restored, you will be left with nothing in the trans-Euphrates. So they can't stop the Jews from working on the temple. Their, their heartbeat, their passion, their calling, their commitment is too strong. So they write this letter off to the king. They're not going to pay any taxes. Sometimes, sometimes when we're following God, we think that everything's going to be fine. All right? we, we think that we won't have any troubles, we won't have any difficulties. In fact, we think when troubles come, sometimes we think we're outside of God's will. You could be in the center of God's will and still be going through difficulties. You could be in the center of God's will and still facing challenges in your life. In fact, many times that's how God grows our faith. That's how God grows us. God has a great plan for you. But we have an enemy. Go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Satan, what does he do? Satan knows that he can't get God. God is too strong. God is sovereign over all creation. And so Satan goes after God's children. And boom, the temptation happens. Adam and Eve. Hey, I know God said you can eat of all this, but this one tree, come on. Just try it. You'll actually be like God. God's holding out on you. And the temptation comes. Satan goes after God's children. Jesus said this in John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's true. Satan's modus operandi, right? To steal our joy, to kill our relationships, to destroy our lives. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Have amazing, wonderful, abundant life. That's what God wants from us. But we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where we have an enemy who wars against us. So what do we do? Do we just give up? <laughs> do we just kind of sit on the sidelines? we pack it in? Or do we stand up for God? Do we take our next step? Do we follow? You see, all great movements in history have come out of persecution. Think about abolishing slavery. Think about the persecution Wilbur Wilberforce faced. You think about the civil rights movement. Think about the persecution Dr. Martin Luther King faced. All these great movements, there's, there's persecution that arises. And maybe in our lives, right, we don't face this persecution of being thrown in jail or this persecution of being beaten. But Satan, our enemy, knows how to get to us, doesn't he? Things can be going great in our life and everything's wonderful. And then somebody says one thing to us, and man, we harbor it. And it takes root in our heart or it takes root in our mind. We think we're doing great, and then we get this email that comes in. And we just look at it, and it wrecks us. Satan knows. He knows our weakness. He knows. And we start to think, man, is that the way everybody thinks about me? What, what do people really think about me? And God comes along and he says, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Stop worrying about what everybody else thinks about you. And start focusing on what I say about you. You are mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Hey, hey, hey. there's obstacles that are going to come. There's people that are going to say some things. But, but listen, listen, listen. I love you. You are mine. 
See, the Bible's not a health and wealth gospel. The Bible's not, hey, if you follow God, everything's going to be perfect in your life. No, no, no. It's not a health and wealth. The Bible is a God is with you in the hard times gospel. God is with you in the brokenness gospel. God will never give up on you gospel. God is greater than the enemy of this world gospel. He who is in you is greater than he that is in this world. And you will overcome. God will be victorious. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He writes over to the people who are going through struggles, who are going through challenges. And he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He says, hey, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Even in the trials, even in the struggles, because we are being renewed day by day. Yes, we are wasting away physically. If we get older, one day we're going to die physically. But spiritually, we are being renewed. Spiritually, there is something happening in us as we follow, as we trust, as we hold out for God's goodness and God's grace. When we were there, we had this privilege of of training these pastors. There was another pastor from Reston Bible Church outside of D.C. His name is Mike Minter. He's 69 years old. He's pastored his church for 40 years. And Mike, you know, we were there. We're teaching these pastors together. And I just looked over at him one day. I thought, you're 69 years old in the middle of the Amazon, right? I mean, you could be retired on a golf course somewhere. And you said, no, 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 no. I want to continue to invest. And I just saw the joy and the passion in him. And I thought, you know what? I mean, man, there's so many times we could just pack it in. But when you and I follow, there's nothing like it. When you and I trust, there's nothing like it. Here's, here's point number three. Get this. God grows our faith. God grows our faith through waiting on him. God grows our faith through waiting on him. If you see over in the book of Ezra, the king, they send this letter off, and, and the king sends this reply. And the king writes back, and he says, Greetings, verse 18. The letter you sent has been read and translated in my presence. I issued an order and a search was made. It was found that this city has a long history of revolt against kings and has been a place of rebellion and sedition. Jerusalem has had powerful kings ruling over the whole trans-Euphrates and taxes and tribute and duty were paid to them. Now, this is true. This is historical, right? I mean, you had empires like the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire. You studied this in world history. You remember David and Solomon. These were huge kings for the Israelites. And, and you know, they conquered so many people. And so he's saying, hey, we went through the records, and you're right. I mean, this has been a city that's been strong. Now, issue an order to these men to stop work so that this city will not be rebuilt until I so order. Be careful not to neglect this matter. Why let this threat grow to the detriment of the royal interest? As soon as the copy of the letter of King Artaxerxes was read to Rehum and to Shammai, the secretary and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force to stop. Thus the work of the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So they finally send troops and say stop the work and the work was stopped it came to a standstill but the word I want you to get right there is the work came to a standstill until 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 
the reign of King Darius. See, God wasn't finished. It wasn't just about the foundation. God was saying, I'm going to do immeasurably more. You stand firm. You stand strong. Even in the midst of the obstacles, you stand up for me. A lot of times we wonder, oh, how do I fight against the devil? How do I fight against the devil's schemes and the devil's plans? Hey, it's not us to beat the devil. We just are called to stand. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You stand firm. This is an iconic picture that was taken outside of Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square, where the day before the Chinese army had opened fire on peaceful demonstrators, many of them students. And the next day, this man in a white shirt, nobody knows who he is. We still don't today. He stood out in front of these tanks, and the tanks stopped, and they backed up. The tank driver in the first tank moved to the right. The man in the white shirt would step to the right. He'd move to the left, and the man would just move to the left. And he held up an entire column of tanks. Resist. Standing firm in the faith. Knowing that God has called you. Knowing that God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is at work. You stand up for what you believe in. The power of one. The power of truth. The Jews, as we'll see next week, had a, had a decision to make. Do we stop the work? Do we quit? Or do we continue on? What has God called us to do? What has God called you to do? What is the next step God's called you to take? Many times we want to live life from home run to home run, right? We want the next big thing. We don't like to wait. We hate to wait, you know? We want to pray, God, I need a job, and I need it now, right? I, I need it right now. And God, I need a raise, and I need it now. God, I need this deliverance, I need it now. God, I need this blessing, and I need it now. And, and, and sometimes, 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 it's in the waiting that God grows us. It's in the waiting that we become. It's in the waiting that we learn. Think about Abraham. God says, I will give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited. Until he was a hundred years old. But you know what he did in the middle of the waiting? He trusted God. And God blessed him. And God blessed him. And he trusted day by day by day. Moses, 40 years in the desert. Joseph in the Old Testament in prison, in jail. Until God exalts him and uses him to stop off a, a drought in the land. God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. And day by day, you hold on to him. We went to one village and we met Clarina. Clarina was in a hammock. In the middle of this one-room shack, and Clarina has cerebral palsy. She's 38 years old. Her mom, Clarissa, told us a story about how one day she was walking along, and she felt she knew she was pregnant, but she could feel that something wasn't right with her body, so she started to walk to the nearest doctor. But on the way, she stopped, and she had this baby. She said, I could hold her in the palm of my hand. She said, I knew something wasn't right, but I knew that I loved her, and so I continued to nurture her and nurture her. And here she is, 38 years old, in a hammock, hanging. Clarissa, the mom, has nine children, 23 grandchildren. Every morning she gets up before the crack of dawn and goes to a nearby plantation to work to make enough money. Her husband has left her. She's a single mom raising this family. Uh, no electricity, uh, no running water in this village. Uh, Mary Catherine Hunt, who's our executive director of operations for JMI, was with us, and Kelly Minter, and, and we were Chase Baker, our student pastor, and we go out on the porch, and Kelly asked Clarissa, she said, looking around, looking at her life, she said, what's the hardest thing that you face in life? 
What's the biggest difficulty you face? And, and Clarissa looks around her village and looks at kids playing and running around, and she said, my life's not hard. God is with me every day. Every day I wake up and I know that he's with me, and I know one day that I'll be in heaven with him. I just thought, wow. Wow. I mean, we go through difficulties, we go through challenges, but, but this woman said, every day I'm holding on to God. Every day I'm holding on to Him. In our lives, in our lives, when you wake up every day, you just say, I want to love God a little bit more, and I want to love the people around me a little bit more. I want God to use me for His glory. And it may not be a home run day, it just may be a single, it may just get on base, but I want to tell you, every day, just being faithful. Because God is preparing you. Get this if you don't get anything else. God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you. God is preparing you for what God is preparing for you. And maybe there's a deliverance that's coming or a situation that's going to happen, but you're not ready yet or the situation's not ready yet, but you continue to hold on to God day by day. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Take that next step daily. Listen to what Oswald Chambers says. I love Oswald Chambers. He says, we presume that we would be ready for battle if confronted with a great crisis. But it's not the crisis that builds something within us. It simply reveals what we're already made of. It's not the crisis that reveals What's in us, it simply reveals it. I mean, we have to be holding on to God in the good times. It's not the crisis that's going to say, hey, I'm, I'm standing for Jesus. It's every day that we're growing so that we're prepared and we're ready for whatever God calls us to do or to be. God is more interested in you than what you accomplish for him. And God is calling you and I to take a next step. God is calling you and I to follow. God is calling you and I to trust in this series, we're challenging everybody. Hopefully, you've received one of these brochures. And, and we're challenging all of us, all of us together to take a next step. There's three areas, right? Reaching out, growing up, giving all, you know? Pastor Nick did a great job talking about how they just gave all. They just worshiped and trusted God. But growing up, as a part of that, we're going to ask everybody to take a daily step. And we're going to read through the entire Bible together as God's church in the next 24 months. And I'm so excited about this because I want all of us to do this. But can you imagine as we meet for lunch or we meet for breakfast and we say, hey, what did you get out of Daniel chapter 5? What, what did you think about that? Or when you're in a small group, you know, and you go, hey, what did you think about Matthew 6 this morning? Or when you're over here and you're like, hey, what did you think about 1 Peter chapter 4? Wasn't that so good today? Think about having family devotionals and your whole family's kind of on the same page and you're learning and you're growing and you have this basis. Think about all God's going to grow in us. Why? Because God has called us to take a next step. Obstacles are going to come, but we trust and we follow. And we watch God do what only God can do. It was Friday, and Jesus was nailed to a cross. And the disciples thought that all was lost, right? There's no way that Jesus could overcome the greatest obstacle of all, death. And it was Saturday, and they waited, and they wondered. And they cried out, but Sunday was coming. <laughs> Sunday was coming. And there was a deliverance that has radically transformed my life and your life because of God's grace. And maybe today, maybe today you're in that Friday or Saturday stage. 
Maybe today you feel like, man, I can't handle anything else. It is so hard. Maybe you feel like you're under attack. God hasn't given up on you. God hasn't given up on you, so don't give up on yourself. God is with you. Maybe there are things in your life that just seem overwhelming. Listen, God is for you. And he that is in you is greater than he that is in this world. You hold on to him day by day. And whatever God has called you to do, you step out, you follow, you trust. Because God can do immeasurably more. One of my favorite quotes from all time is from Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt said this, It's not the critic who counts. Don't you love that? It's not the critic who counts. And not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. Boy, we live in that kind of world, don't we? Whether it's a blog post or a tweet or a Facebook post or something, and everybody's a critic, can point out where the strong man stumbles, can point out where people who stepped out could have done it better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. The credit belongs to the man who's actually stepping out, who's actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. There's no effort without error or shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, (laughs) so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. Church, don't sit on the sidelines. You were not created to live on the sidelines. You were created to follow. You were created to be the man or woman that God designed you to be. You were created to be in the arena. You were created to dare greatly. And God has an awesome plan for you, for your family, and for generations. Trust Him. Follow Him. Step out. And know that God can do measurably more. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Right where you are. What's God saying to you today? What's God calling you to do today for Him? Maybe today's the day of salvation. Maybe today you just go, God, I need you. I've been trying to do this on my own, and today I stop. I'm at the end of my rope, and today I let go. And when you let go, you let God. Maybe today you just are overwhelmed by your circumstances. It seems like life is falling apart. But today you hear about a God who is greater. You hear about a God who loves you. You are his child. And he is for you. Maybe today you simply rejoice. You just want to bless the Lord because of his goodness in your life. You look at all the things that you have. And you just say, God, why me? Why am I so blessed? But God, I know I've been blessed to be a blessing. How can you use me? 
Father God, all across this room, there are prayers going up to you, and God, it doesn't confuse you in the slightest. You're a personal God who meets us right where we are. Father, we admit that it's hard sometimes. It's just difficult and challenging living in this world. There are obstacles that come. There's opposition that arises. But Father, today we know that our heartbeat and our love and our faith is in you. We know that you're greater than anything we face. And so today we put our hearts and our lives in your hands. We thank you, God, that one day you will come back and say, enough pain, enough suffering, and there will be an eternity of joy with you. But for now, call us to go further in our faith than we ever dreamed or imagined. God, you have given us so much. And call us to be faithful, to impact people both here and around the world with the love of Christ. So God, together as your church, we lock arms and we take our next step. We want to grow up. We want to be all that you've called us to be. And it's in the name of Jesus that we commit our lives to you. Amen.